If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest-running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out front and out loud since 1974. I'm Chris Wilson. I'm Vosh Bodhi. And I'm Abby Dees. And tonight, we'll talk to John Davidson, the National Legal Director at Lambda Legal, about the Supreme Court ruling on marriage that happened to happen, happen this week. Yes, and hear the sounds of celebration in San Francisco and West Hollywood after Friday's Supreme Court ruling. And we will chat up Jennifer Lightham, former bassist for Mel Torme and the Doc Severinsen Band. And now she's got her own jazz trio and a brand new CD, and she will perform live in studio. But first of all, I want to point out to the biggest news of all, which is Vosh. Hi. Hello, I'm back. I've missed you all so, so much. What a good week to join us, my dear. I think so. So much has changed. I mean, equality. Yeah. Is the word of the land, and that's amazing. Yep. Equality, fairness, inclusion, flags Who would coming have down. Yeah. yeah, what a time. And someone's going to be playing the bass live in the studio. We have the biggest instrument I think I've ever actually seen in this tiny and studio. And of course, it's all about the bass. It's <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say that all night. I got it in early. You can tell we are a little punchy and joyful, and I'm hoping that that energy just carries through and that it goes right through your radios or your computers into your ears and in your hearts because we're definitely feeling the spirit. Yes, indeed. I've missed you all, and I've missed you all out there listening. I love you. Well, we love you, too. But before we get on to our love fest, we got to give you the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Chris Ann Eastwood. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news inter-affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending June 27, 2015. A 5-4 to four majority of the justices of the United States Supreme Court celebrated the June 26 anniversaries of two other landmark rights-affirming rulings for LGBT people by affirming same-gender couples' right to civil marriage. This year's ruling came on the same date in 2003 that the court overturned state sodomy laws and key parts of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act in 2013. The court's swing vote, Anthony Kennedy, wrote the majority decision in all three cases. Citing the due process provisions of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, Kennedy wrote in the current ruling that no union is more profound than marriage. Lesbian and gay couples seek not to denigrate marriage, he wrote, but rather to live their lives or honor their spouse's memory joined by its bond. They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law, he continued. The Constitution grants them that right. 
Justices Stephen Breyer, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor formed the majority with Kennedy. The four dissenting justices, Alito, Scalia, Thomas, and Chief Justice Roberts, each said that states and their voters should have been left with the power to decide who can marry. Roberts insisted that this court is not a legislature. Whether same-sex marriage is a good idea should be of no concern to us, he wrote. If you are among the many Americans, of whatever sexual orientation, who favors expanding same-sex marriage, by all means celebrate today's decision. But do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. Several religious organizations immediately criticized the decision, and a group of pastors in Texas vowed to defy it. But Justice Kennedy said nothing in the high court's ruling forces religious leaders to condone marriage equality, let alone to officiate the weddings of same-gender couples. The ruling won't officially take effect right away because the court gives the losing side roughly three weeks to ask for reconsideration. But county clerks in several states with civil marriage bans began issuing licenses to gay and lesbian couples within hours of the Supreme Court ruling. The decision specifically struck down the bans in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, and most of Missouri. It's complicated. Along with Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. After just three hours of deliberations, a New Jersey Superior Court jury on June 25th found Jews offering new alternatives for healing, or Jonah, guilty of committing fraud. The Southern Poverty Law Center sued Jonah in 2012 under New Jersey's consumer protection laws for falsely promising three young plaintiffs that the conversion therapy they offered would make them straight. It's the first jury verdict of its kind in the United States. The practice has already been outlawed for minors in California, New Jersey, Oregon, Illinois, and the District of Columbia. Jonah was ordered to pay $72,400 to the plaintiffs, three times the cost of Jonah's therapy, in addition to reasonable attorney's fees. The so-called clinic was also ordered to pay the cost of subsequent legitimate therapy that one plaintiff sought to overcome the damage done by Jonah. Reparative, or conversion therapy, has been denounced by virtually every professional medical and mental health association, at least in the Western world, as worthless at best and all too often psychologically damaging at worst. The presiding judge, Hudson Superior Court Judge Peter D. Barcio, Jr., had previously ruled that he would not allow testimony from the defendant's so-called expert witnesses to claim that homosexuality is an illness or a disorder needing treatment. He concluded that marketing such conversion therapy violates the state's consumer protection laws. The seven-member jury unanimously agreed this week. And finally, almost 200,000 people are rooting for a heterosexual couple in Australia to get a divorce. Nick Jensen probably got more attention than he was expecting by writing an op-ed for the Canberra City News describing himself and his wife Sarah as devout Christians who will divorce if civil marriage equality comes to their country. Fellow Australian Jesse Mount launched a Facebook group to celebrate the impending split, inviting everyone who supports marriage equality to come celebrate the divorce of Nick and Sarah Jensen. Hundreds upon hundreds of gays and gay rights supporters come to rejoice in the parting ways of these narrow-minded citizens, which so many of us are ashamed to call Canberrans. Date and location to be announced, but hopefully in the not-too-distant future. The page has been inundated with photos of Australian lesbian and gay couples who married overseas, even though their marriages are not recognized at home, along with messages of support from equality supporters. At last count, more than 183,000 people had RSVP to celebrate Nick and Sarah Jensen's divorce. 
That's an abbreviated edition of News Wrap for the week ending June 27, 2015. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Chris Ann Eastwood. You can hear all 30 minutes of the latest This Way Out, including more news wrap, on Stitcher Radio On Demand, on iTunes, or at thiswayout.org. Also on the program this week, extensive coverage of the Supreme Court's landmark marriage equality ruling, of course, starring title plaintiff James Obergfell. And 13 others. Am I right? 13 plaintiffs? 13 couples. 13 couples. So I got to do the math. That would be 26. Right. (laughs) Or 25, I think. Actually, I think there were 14 couples, two widows or widowers. Yes, that's right. Um, Okay. It was quite a crowd. (laughs) Well, anyway, the voice you just heard is our own John Davidson from LA's Lambda Legal. He is the national legal director for Lambda Legal, who do so much work for our community. And also a former law professor of mine, where I studied LGBT law, and that really gave me sort of a good head start for what we're talking about today. So so I'm tempted to ask you, like, John, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Been quite a few days. <laughs> yeah. What did you think when you got the opinion? I mean, I know most people thought it was going to go our way, but when you looked at the opinion and how they had done it, did anything jump out at you? Oh, it was just an incredible level of excitement yeah. combined with a little bit of relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then it was just like moving into action. I mean, you know, it was it was like trying to figure out, okay, what is the advice we need to give to people? How do we make sure that people can actually exercise this right to marry right away? And then a lot of time trying to figure out all the next steps. We had done a lot of work in preparation, but it's, you know, reading the opinion as quickly as possible, trying to figure out what exactly is the basis for the ruling and what implications will this have for the future. Did it come down the way you expected? Was the ruling based on the same arguments that you had assumed? <clears throat> Pretty much. I mean, it, it is a ruling that rests on the constitutional guarantees of both liberty and equality and kind of joins them together with almost a right of equal liberty, or at times it talks a lot about dignity, um, an equal dignity of same-sex couples and their families. And we were talking out before the show about how they are sort of venturing into new territory when they talk about equal protection. You know, the idea being that if you're going to classify people, you better have a very good reason for doing it, especially with certain classifications like sex and race and religion and and those kinds of things. This case seemed to go beyond the way they previously talked about our issues. It really did. As you say, it, it shifted the burden to the government, and that sort of indicated a new support for our community. I think that is an important thing that a lot of the press hasn't really focused on yet, that when it came to looking at the few justifications that the government had for excluding same-sex couples from marriage, they weren't credited very much. And in fact, when it comes to the issue of, well, will this cause fewer different sex couples to get married and lead to more children born out of wedlock. They almost laughed they, at that. Yeah, well, and what they say is that the, that the government hadn't made an adequate showing of the foundation of that argument. So they really did put the burden on the government to justify the exclusion of same-sex couples from marriage, which is a form of heightened judicial scrutiny of what goes on, though they didn't use that language in the opinion. The opinion is very similar to 
to the decision two years ago in the United States v. Windsor case, which struck down the core of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, which said that the federal government wouldn't recognize marriages entered by same-sex couples. And in that case as well, they started to develop this notion of equal dignity, that somehow sent it, these laws had a, had, they were constitutionally problematic because they said that some people and their relationships were just not worth as much were not entitled to be treated the same way, and that that was offensive to basic constitutional guarantees. Do you think, beyond marriage, that this case is going to provide us guidance for non-marriage-related discrimination? I think so. The court at point at its opening is actually very interesting. It talks about, um, says, the Constitution promises liberty to all within its reach, a liberty that includes certain specific rights that allow persons within a lawful realm to define and express their identity. Um, yeah. And so it does key this in part to recognizing that there are certain rights that are about the expression of your identity and that the Constitution treats those as protected. And that includes the aspect of gay people's identity, of wanting to form a relationship with somebody else of the same sex. But I could see that as being significant to the protection of transgender people's identity, yeah. for example. Yeah, absolutely. It does go to sort of this inherent it's sort of a state of being rather than just the actions. Do you have the right to the action? And you're exactly right. It does talk about things we mentioned that it even just says right out of the gate, practically, that sexual orientation is immutable. Correct. And that matters. And of course, we've been arguing this point that happened in the district court, you know, case about Prop 8. We talked about this and they seem to just dismiss that out of hand. It's immutable. Let's move on. I think the case also says some very important things just about constitutional analysis in general. And again, Justice Kennedy, who wrote the majority opinion here, he's also been the author of the most important gay rights decisions at the Supreme Court. This case, the Windsor case, Lawrence v. Texas, which was Lambda's case that struck down all remaining laws criminalizing sexual intimacy between consenting adults. He's been kind of the author of the of the, He's the our leading cases. Surprise ally. <laughs> and and it's quite remarkable that Friday when they decided this case was the second anniversary of the Windsor decision mm -hmm. that day and it was the 12th anniversary of the Lawrence decision. So June 26th I think from now on is going to be LGBT rights day or something. But one of the <laughs> things he says is if rights were defined by who exercised them in the past, then received practices could serve as their own continued justification and new groups would not be able to invoke rights once denied. That is, you know, it's just this concept of you can't decide that something's constitutional just because it's been that way in the past. Right. You know, when I was thinking about this, when I was reading the dissents, of course, I, I am also tempted to ask has Scalia just lost it? So I will hold that question and let's talk about Roberts, who doesn't seem to have lost it. But in his very impassioned dissent, which he actually spoke out loud, mm -hmm. which is unusual. First um, time apparently he's ever read from a dissent. He, it's, he really cares. But, you know, he's saying, well, this should have been decided through the legislative process, the political process. And you know, seems very clear that this is not a fundamental rights issue. Meanwhile, Kennedy's opinion is all about this is obvious that this is a fundamental rights issue. And I wonder, how do we make peace? Because we just see it differently. 
Well, it's clear that there's a very different view here. I wonder if it was Justice Chief Justice Roberts who was being denied the right to marry the person that he loved, <laughs> that he would be fine just waiting right. until his neighbors decided it was time and it was okay. And what he seems to totally ignore is most of the states that still were barring same-sex couples from marrying had adopted state constitutional amendments that could only be undone by having new state constitutional amendments. In most of those states, the only way to do that would that the legislature would have to put it on the ballot, not like in California where you can petition to put it on the ballot. In those states, it's only the legislature that can do that. So when did he think that the Alabama legislature was going to put this to be voted on by the voters again in Alabama or in Mississippi or in Louisiana or in Texas? And so what happens to all those couples and their children in the meantime? And he laments, oh, well, they've lost this ability to have this go through the political process. It's like what Justice Kennedy says is the whole point of fundamental rights is that they're not subject to majority vote. The reason we have a constitution is to limit what the majority can do. This is a um, basic constitutional principle. And, and I mean, I was quite surprised to see Judge Posner, who's on the Seventh Circuit and had decided one of the marriage cases from Indiana and Wisconsin, wrote a piece this last weekend calling Chief Justice Roberts' opinion heartless. Wow. It's unusual to have a sitting judge. Really call out um, another really one. Really call out them. But it is an opinion that just seems to ignore the consequences which is what Justice Kennedy wrote about was like well, what it will mean to Jim Obergefell that he has to wait till Ohio changes its law before he can be listed on his husband's death certificate and has to live with it saying that his husband was single when he died or for the DeBoer family that they can't do an adoption that recognizes both mothers Mm -hmm. as the mothers of the children that the state has placed with them. <laughs> it did seem that the opinion went through every single argument we have ever heard against same-sex marriage and just got rid of it. And, you know, I was particularly struck by one of the statements that goes to very much the California marriage cases, saying something like that the petitioners do or don't have political power is of no consequence. You know, and of course, we argued that endlessly in California. But they've sort of dismissed that. I, I was wondering if there was anything else that jumped out at you around sort of just hitting all of those arguments and sort of putting them to rest. Well, I think that the arguments on the other side is, it, is, is that it's always been this way. And Chief Justice Roberts says, you know, how can it be irrational to just stick with the definition that you've had for centuries? And what Justice Kennedy says is, and again, I, I want to read it a little from it because it's sure, so it's beautiful. it's a beautiful opinion. The nature of injustice is that we may not always see it in our own times. The generations that wrote and ratified the Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment did not presume to know the extent of freedom in all of its dimensions, and so they entrusted to future generations a charter protecting the right of all persons to enjoy liberty as we learn its meaning. When new insights reveal discord between the Constitution's central protections and a received legal structure, a claim to liberty must be addressed. 
And so it's like a very different approach of understanding the Constitution. The majority here, the five justices who join the majority, understand that the Constitution uses very broad terms like liberty, like equal protection, like expression. And it's up to the courts to figure out what was the principle that they were trying to enshrine because there are many things that are not spoken about in specifics in the Constitution that a lot of these dissenting justices have felt it was fine to strike down laws about. So, I mean, they struck down a core provision of the Voting Rights Act. Talk about being activist yes. judges. In fact, the conservatives have struck down more laws that were popularly enacted than the more progressive part of the court has. Was there anything in the case that you found sort of maddeningly vague or unclear or in the opinion? Was there anything where you felt like, I don't know where we can take this or what this means? It is similar to some of Justice Kennedy's prior opinions in that it's very lofty. It's very inspirational. But it doesn't follow what some people insist is like the prior mode of analysis. And I think that that's because he's developing something new. He's developing an approach that looks more and values the dignity of the individual and of the couple and of the family and asks what justification could there be for saying this thing that we treat as so important in a society that this group of people can be denied access to it. How can you see this case being used as precedent for, we talked a little bit about transgender people, but for other LGBT people or even people not in our community? Well, I think it can be quite helpful in a number of other family law issues. I think it will be useful in situations dealing with custody determinations, with adoption, foster parenting, because it talks about the harms to children of not recognizing their family relationships. So I think it's going to be helpful on those fronts. I think in general, this concept of rejecting that just because it's been that way in the past, that that should be a justification for maintaining it is something that helps all people who've been excluded from rights and benefits in our society. Yeah. I have a question. So there are some states that have decided that they're not going to issue licenses. Like, What is the likelihood of those states really going against the new law. Well, that was one of the, the concerns starting Friday is like, w will, will all of the states and local governments comply? What we've seen on the rest of the day on Friday and today is that there are now same-sex couples who have married in every state. So, so at That's least- That's a great factoid for yes, today. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are at least some counties, some clerks who have begun issuing marriage licenses in all of the states where they were not doing so. And although there were some places where it looked like the state officials were going to try to create a problem, Governor Jindal in Louisiana at first said, we will not comply with this. Then over the weekend on, a, on one news show, he said they would comply, but it wasn't clear when. But then today, the Louisiana County Clerks Association, um, which had previously before said people should wait said that they should now start issuing marriage licenses, and at least 30 parishes in Louisiana today started issuing licenses. John, you wanted to make a very important announcement yes. that if you are thinking about getting married, there's some information that you have at Lambda that could be very helpful and some advice you have. Right. Well, there's a website that we set up jointly with our partners at the ACLU, 
um, GLAD, NCLR, Freedom to Marry, and HRC. That's marriageequalityfacts.org. And it has answers to frequently asked questions. Um, And one of the important things it points out is that people considering getting married may not want to wait to plan a fancy wedding because there are some protections you only get once you're married. And there are some benefits like Social Security, some other retirement benefits that you don't get unless you've been married for at least a year. So delaying may ultimately exclude you from certain rights. And that's discussed in those fact sheets at marriageequalityfacts.org. Also, if anyone experiences any problems getting a marriage license, having government officials record it, or having their marriage not being respected, being denied services anywhere as part of their celebration, we have on our website, which is lambdalegal.org, L-A-M-B-D-A, legal.org, backslash marriage hyphen equality hyphen tracker. Marriage we'll, we'll hyphen re- equality hyphen we'll tracker. We'll post those too. Okay. And just go to Lambda. But if you go there, around, around. Um, there's a way you can let us know if you're experiencing any problems so we right. can get in touch and try to see if we can help. John, thank you so much for coming out down and talking to us on this amazing week about this amazing case. And let's see what the future holds. Thank you, John Davidson. Thanks so much. So after the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. Magic. (laughs) Same-sex magic. It is magic. It is it. It is magic. Same-sex marriage. Friday was a day of celebration across the country and I believe around the world. Facebook was lit up with rainbows. And there were rallies across the country, including one led by a recent IMRU guest, Kate Kendall, executive director of NCLR. That's Uh, the National Center for lesbian rights. And we have a snippet of her speech on the steps of the San Francisco City Hall. Let me welcome to the podium Kate Kendall, the National Center for Lesbian Rights. so many, 
that is now over, and those relationships matter, and every sacrifice you made has now been vindicated and matters. So now our charge, now our charge is to harness this momentum so that everyone in our community, no matter where they live, can live fully and freely. Our charge is to take this momentum, to move it forward, to battle racism, to battle economic inequality, to be sure that no one is left behind. No one is left behind. I know you know this. I know you know this, but it bears repeating. From attacks on transgender women of color, to the shocking number of LGBT homeless youth, to the denial of parental rights and recognition, to conditions in detention centers, jails, and prisons, to even the basic right to get and keep a job. The daily reality for still so many in our community is isolation and stigma. But we are going to do something about that. Because look what we did! Well, we are going to take a quick break, but we will be back in just a minute. On the Hunt for Dorothy, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. Before the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, gays and lesbians were often kicked out of the U.S. military if they were discovered. The Navy Investigative Service, or NIS, often led the way in investigating homosexuality within its Navy ranks. In the early 1980s, agents were looking for a person named Dorothy in the Chicago area. They had noticed gay men were saying they were friends of Dorothy and believed if they could find Dorothy, they would also find a whole nest of gays to discharge. So the NIS launched a huge hunt for the elusive Dorothy, hoping when found, she would reveal the names of gay service members. But that didn't happen. What they didn't know was the term friend of Dorothy was a code phrase for gay. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Roby Martin. Hello, I'm Barney Frank, and you are listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974. On KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridcrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org.
Welcome back, and you are listening to IMRU Radio. I'm Abby Dees. I'm Vosh Bodie. And I'm Chris Wilson. And that song coming out of the break was My Heart Had Wings from Jennifer Lightham's latest album called Mood Swings. And Jennifer is here in studio with us. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. What an, what an auspicious occasion. I'm so thrilled to be here on this particular show. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Um, that that song, My Heart Had Wings, that's pretty deep. It's deep. It's dark. And it's probably the darkest thing I've ever written. And, and um, the title of the CD is Mood Swings. And it's it's a wild, swinging, emotional journey from joy to sorrow and back again. And um, um, basically, it's a, it's a tribute, musical tribute to my sister, who unfortunately departed back in March as I was putting this record together, and, and I decided to make this uh, this record a tribute to her. Wow, and that wasn't your original intent with the album? No, not originally. Uh, I actually adjusted it a little bit after after that happened. I actually got the call that she had passed away while I was mixing, so I added another track and arranged the order and dropped a couple of things from the record and, and decided to call it Mood Swings because my sister was bipolar. And um, the very first book that, that our family got from her doctors to try to describe her condition was called Mood Swings. So you've dedicated the album to her? Very much so. So tell us about... Her name was Barbara. Pardon me? <laughs> her name was Barbara. Oh, her name was Barbara. And how old was she? Um, she was uh, seven years younger than I, 54, when she passed. Are you... Um, more knowledgeable, having had her as a sister about the whole concept oh, of bipolar quite, disorder, quite. what you had to go through, you and your family. And it's yeah, it's 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 a tough journey, and and um, people who are bipolar don't get a lot of understanding. In some ways, it mirrors being transgender, and, and um, the the lack of understanding about about that, and the fear about it, and 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 so often bipolar people don't get quite the same chance in life. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, back to the album, Mood Swings. It's got you and your bass on the cover. Tell us about the performers on this album. You have a regular band it's my regular you play group. with. Yeah, Andy Langham is our pianist, um, just amazing, and he does an incredible job on this CD. He's also working in Pancho Sanchez's band these days, and uh, he works with a lot of famous jazzers. Um, and my drummer is Randy Drake, who's been playing with me for like 30 years now. We've been playing together, and we have a couple of guest stars as well. Um, and, and who might those be? Um, Jeff Linsky plays ukulele on one of the songs on here. Um, he's an incredible guitarist and a real creative jazz musician, and we've played together since the 80s. And also um, another guitar player, Jamie Finlay, who also contributed one of the songs for this, this CD, one I added at the end. Yeah, I noticed that ukulele is um, on the song Don't You Ever, right? That's right. <laughs> And we're going to be hearing you play that song actually tonight, uh, aren't we? With your bass, but no ukulele. No ukulele. No, I'm going to play the bass like a ukulele. <laughs> yeah, I so want if, to see that. So if they want to hear the ukulele, they need to get the album Mood Swings, Yeah, right? available on iTunes and Amazon and, and CD Baby. And I got one here in my hand. So um, you can actually get the physical CD or the... The physical CD will be up on CD Baby tomorrow. 
It's that that new, <laughs> but wow. it's already into iTunes and Amazon and, and CD Baby for downloads. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, give us a little taste of the non-ukulele version, if you will. Okay, tread water for a second here while I get my bass. Well, 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 you know what we can do, though? We can describe for our listeners at? what we are looking at. We are looking at a bass, a stand-up bass that is taller than Jennifer, and Jennifer is very tall. And I will just say that Wenzel Jones, our own Wenzel Jones, is has been a the bass stand and yes. I don't mean that in a you know denigrating way no it's and it's, it's taller than you yes let me do a mic quickly do a mic check make sure I can hear everything well it's it's shaking the walls in here it absolutely is I guess I can try this are you ready I have never sung live on the radio before so bear with me this could really suck a week, oh, a week that, of firsts. Last time you were here, you, you played the bass only. So this will be a world premiere. Jennifer Lightham singing on IMRU. Okay. Imagine this is a ukulele. Now, Don't You Ever comes from a, a, an idea that I had after looking at Facebook and social media, people cons- constantly sharing other people's philosophies. You know, like telling like Jeep Deepak Chopra thinks you should do this today or, or Wayne Dwyer thinks you should do something. And it's as though that makes them look intelligent somehow. So I just wrote a tune to tell people what not to do. So it's don't you ever. Okay. Okay. Don't you ever quote a God today. You have never heard that word in any way. Don't you ever tell me how to play. You can keep it to yourself and walk away. Cause you can bet the farm that you can do no harm if you just will zip it. A tiny judge to the wind the thoughts of you, you'll be better off. But when it comes to people quoting cattle panels from their cyber handles, you can bet the farm that you can do no harm to just blow them off. Don't you ever tease a kid to pray on another kid who's trying to work it out don't you ever let them tip away anyone who's different or is filled with doubt because you can bet the farm that you can do no harm if you just will zip it a tiny trident to the wind the thoughts of you you'll be better off but when it comes from people Quoting candlelight manuals from their cyber handles You can bet the farm that you can do no harm to just blow them off Sway. Don't you ever shoot the moon and bray like a wolf of sheep hath left and gone. 
run away Cause you can bet the farm that you can do no harm If you just will zip it A tonic trudging through the wind The thoughts of you, you'll be better off But when it comes from people Quoting Cadillac manuals from their cyber handles You can bet the farm that you can do no harm To just blow them off Oh. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. So when you do that, there you are, you've got this idea, you've got the lyrics. Did you, do you just pick up your bass and start noodling to get your song, or did you do it on piano? Um, this one, I'm, I'm, I think this one just started on the bass. I actually started doing a little motif, and uh, I was just fooling around, seeing some stuff I could do with open strings, playing on the lower string. Usually you play on the higher string, but... Uh, That's where that started. I was just playing around, goofing around, on, on noodling on, on a practice, and that's where that tune came from. They all come from different places. I think every tune I've ever written has a unique story about how it was created. Well, one of the things that I find remarkable, particularly about Mood Swings, the album, is the very first time I saw you perform live, every single thing you did was instrumental, except then you came up and said, well, I've got this song. I don't usually do vocals. And now you've really turned into a vocalist. Well, what pra- happened to you? <laughs> I study. I practice it. You know, I, I, ah, uh, good. We, we had this discussion the last time I was here. I mean, my phone doesn't ring the way it used to, to be a side person anymore, because um, I'm presenting myself, you know, differently. So I became a band leader out of necessity so I could keep working. And uh, I've found that it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I, <laughs> I absolutely love doing it. And I, I got into music because I was a singer in high school. I sang in my high school choir, and bands kind of wanted me to be in their bands. And so my voice was kind of the thing that led me into music. And then when I realized that I, my gender dysphoria was really kind of rearing its ugly head at a certain age, I stopped singing because I was so paranoid people were going to find out that I was a girl because my voice is very high and was much higher even back then. So I stopped singing out of paranoia for 30 years. And so that the time you first heard me playing out again, I was, you know, playing everything on the bass and I wasn't singing in public so much because I, I was rusty. But I've been really working hard. I've, I've had several people help me with my voice as vocal coaches and uh, my, my, a lot of my best friends are singers and, and I've had a lot of really good advice. And I'm, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I don't consider myself formed by any means. But you, you seem so comfortable with I love now. doing it. I'm just loving it more and more. You absolutely do. Um, one of the things, and that kind of leads me into the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, is the work that you do being out. And um, do you consider yourself an activist in the trans community? That's funny. A lot of people have been asking me that question well, lately. Yeah, because what I know that you do, and, and you can tell more about it, is you're out, you let people know, but... I think I've, I've been an activist all along just by being who I am and being being public about, you know, there was no way I was ever going to be able to hide because I played for some pretty famous people and I'm a left-handed bass player. So, you know, there's no way I could like don a disguise and people wouldn't know it's me. And plus I had a brand. I had I had records out under my name and, and I wanted to keep my last name. I didn't want to change that so people would know it's still me. And it is still me. I've always been the same person. Um I don't know. It, but that it had an impact on your career. Um, well, quite. And, but, but in some ways, my career has helped me in the, in the field of activism, if you want to call it that. I mean, I, I've always um, sought out people that were doing great work in the activist front, like the National Center for Transgender Equality or Transgender Law Center. I've done fundraisers for Lambda Legal. And John Davidson, who was here earlier, is one of my biggest heroes. What a great guy. And what a great organization. So, you know, my being... 
having whatever skill I have here has helped, you know, earn a lot of money for people anyway to keep fighting the fight. And then I've got, I've actually physically gone and, and lobbied Congress a few times, and I've had you know one-on-one -on -one meetings with Congress people trying to get ENDA passed, and and I'm working on the behalf of trans Latina immigrants. So the last time I was there. Um, so I, I do some activism. I just don't stand on a soapbox so much about it. Maybe I do lately. I'm a little more on Facebook. But, <laughs> but um, Obviously, not... given the last song you sang, you're a little more on Facebook. <laughs> um, so what do you see as the next wave or the next goal for transgender rights? Well, I, I firmly and I have felt this way all along that the Employee Non-Discrimination Act has been the most important piece of legislation that will affect us all, not just transgender people, but just... Um, to have employment protections so you can be yourself at work. You don't have to live a lie. And, um, and that goes for the military. It goes for, you know, all across the board. And I think as far as legalities goes, and I'm just speaking from a jazz musician's point here, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a John Davidson, not somebody that has a law degree or something, but that's what I see is that would really affect all of our lives and make, us, make it better is we somehow can get end to pass. I don't know if it's possible in this particular Congress, but down the road. I think we've, we've made a lot of progress with political people and, and um, we've got any number of congresspeople that would sponsor that legislation. We actually could have passed it in the last Congress had they brought it to a vote. Do you think that more out trans celebrities has been something that has been helpful? Huge, huge. Um, right now we have Caitlyn Jenner in the media all over the place doing, you know, of, you know, magazine covers in her underwear and stuff. I mean, that's all great. Um, it's all good. I, I see nothing wrong with any of it. And it, if there, you know, if there's anything untoward, it's we're, we're talking about it. We're having a discussion. And, and that, to me, is just a, a huge turning point, just that we're talking about this. I, I was watching um, television last night, and John Oliver came on and had, did the most amazing Transgender 101 presentation I've ever seen. And it was just all just right. It was so wonderful. I actually was in tears because I, I didn't expect it. I didn't know it was coming out. And when I when I first saw it, I was like I was like in disbelief. You know, I, of what is this happening? This is so surreal. But then by the end, I was in tears. That's he, great. Had me on the floor. Yeah. Well, I want to. We're going to have to go. And people <laughs> we might want to keep doing this. No, <laughs> people might want to see you live. You're having a CD release well, the, party. What the, can you tell us about it? The CD release party for, for Mood Swings is going to be July 8th at Catalina's Jazz Club in Hollywood. We, we did my Christmas um, CD release there, Future Christmas, and had a really great crowd. And Catalina's and I have a long history. They've been great to me. And, and I just love playing there. And um, it'll be the whole, all the musicians that play on the CD. Um, Jamie Finlay and, and um, Jeff Linsky will be there, and my regular band, Andy Langham and, and uh, Randy Drake. So Catalina Jazz Club is www.catalinajazzclub.com, and that's July 8th. But if they want to find out more about you and maybe they can't make it on July 8th, where should they go? Well, they have to know how to spell my name. Yes, yeah, so you better <laughs> tell them. It's jenniferlightham.com. It's pronounced Lightham, but it's spelled L-E-I-T-H-A-M. And Jennifer with two N's. So jenniferlightham.com. And there's links to everything on there. You can be my YouTube channel, my Facebook page, all, 
you know, my mailing list, all that kind of stuff. Oh, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being with us and bringing that really big base. <laughs> they got to go see it in person. At what, a what a thrill. What a thrill. I have a habit of every time we have a musician come in with some cool instrument, I think, okay, now I need one of those. So I need <laughs> one of those. These are very expensive. <laughs> yes, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank and you, a reminder Jennifer. that while marriage is now attainable for everyone, regardless of who they love, an estimated 700,000 transgender Americans still face daily legal discrimination. So everyone that we talk to seems like they're working to make that change. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. My pleasure. So we've already taken you to San Francisco's Day of Decision Rally, but let's spend just a few moments in West Hollywood. As well in West Hollywood, there was a jubilant crowd numbering in the thousands gathered on Friday. And I should mention that the first two voices you'll hear are Lori Jean, CEO of LAGLC and civil rights attorney in the red suit, Gloria Allred. Welcome to West Hollywood on this first time in history. Our nation's highest court has determined that we are entitled to the same rights and privileges as every other American. And as the Confederate flag is falling, the rainbow flag is rising, and it's about time! Someone said to me today, thank God the Supreme Court gave us our rights, and I say, no one gave you your rights. You fought for them and you won them. Since I was a young lawyer, I have carried a copy of the United States Constitution in my briefcase. Today, it finally includes us all. It's just about equality of the institution of marriage. We weren't asking for anything above just equal rights, which is something that started back in, what, 1954 with, with uh, other Supreme Court decisions. So it's a very exciting time. I think it's a huge step. It's a huge step for civil rights, and it's a huge step for our children. You know, there are lots of children who are growing up in same-sex families, and I think that it's really important for those children to see that we're moving forward legally for them. Personally, I mean, I'm not in a relationship right now, but I love the opportunity to be able to one day actually get married. I'm just really appreciative of all the sad bigots out there today. So, I, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm flustered. I'm just so overwhelmed right now. It's super exciting! I think it's really great that we can finally get married and have equal rights. It's been slow progress. There's certainly been a lot of people who've been fighting hard for this, and I think it's really great to see. I'm really happy that I'm in the United States when it's happened, and I'm certainly going to celebrate. Everybody is equal. Anybody in America and the United States of America is a pretty amazing thing. It's going to build on a lot of opportunities for equality and for people to feel like they're safe across America. Well, y'all can't stop it. I'm glad that it's here. We've been waiting way too long for this to happen, and it's really lovely to see that we're finally on the slippery slope towards rationality. I know there's people who are a little more quietly happy, people who are like very happy, but yeah, if you got a problem with it, like go back to you know the olden days because it's great. Everyone deserves to be happy. Very happy. This is a long time coming. I mean, I've already been married for three years, but uh, now I'm officially married in every state. I think I want to marry you.
So the beautiful singing you heard at the end was the Gay Men's Chorus. And I should also mention some other wonderful thing that happened this week is a lot of us at IMRU got to see Miss Barbecue perform the premiere of her one-woman play. Rumor has it, I'm not the marrying kind, and it was fabulous! Yes, she just really worked out her story, and a one-person show is difficult to do, and she really did amazing. And my only complaint was that I did not get enough of it. It could have been longer. I was expecting uh, and hoping it would be longer. We want more. We want more, Miss B. We want more. And she was doing that as part of Hollywood Fringe Festival. Which I would like to congratulate. They did an amazing job this year. Hollywood Fringe Festival continues to grow. And, you know, Miss Barbecue, I hope you're in it again next year. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be there. I'm going everyone I know. Anyway, that is the end of our show. Our... Yes. So I'd like to thank tonight's director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, coordinating producer, Steve Pride, our social media czar, Ms. Barbecue, our engineer, Nadia Richardson, videographer, Wenzel Jones, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Judd Proctor and Brian Burns. Follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, where the link to the latest show is posted by noon every Tuesday. And you can tune in next week for our annual Outfest kickoff show. And we are going to close tonight with a new song from, well, it's not a new song. You'll recognize it. It's from Jennifer Lightham's new CD, Mood Swings. And the song is called You Won't See Me. When I call you up, your line's engaged. I have had. If you